Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Dr. Arvind Chandrasekharan, professor and academic director, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There is a Better Way. Uh, I'm here with uh, Dr. Jared Perth. Uh, he is the Assistant Clinical Professor of Anesthesiology at the Wexner Medical Center. Jared is also the Fellowship Director for Executive Leadership and Business for the Anesthesiology Program. And he also holds the title of uh, Associate Medical Director for Ambulatory Services at the Wexner Medical Center. Welcome to the program, Jared. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So, Jared, I mean, like today's conversation is going to be on the idea around um, uh, physicians and how well-rounded uh, are these physicians in today's world. And again, uh, just to piggyback on your titles, again, you do a lot of different things. So you have, by profession, you are an anesthesiologist, but you also manage a fellowship director program and also the medical director program. So it's very obvious that the role of physicians in today's world has changed, not just giving care, but managing the care system itself. So can you tell uh, the listeners out there your background, what you do at the Wexner and how it's changed over the last several years? Absolutely. So my background for everybody out there in Buckeye country, I am not from Ohio. I am from Chattanooga, Tennessee, but I have been up in Columbus and at Ohio State since 2006 when I joined for medical school and I stuck around for my residency in anesthesiology and then the fellowship. And I guess the biggest thing that I can say that has changed, um, and actually before I, before I discuss that, I guess a little bit more about me, uh, I kind of took a more non-traditional path into medicine. So that might also be kind of self-selecting as to some of the roles that I occupy. So one of the things about me is I always knew I wanted to go into medicine, but I did not major in medicine in college. I was a sociology major. I was a Spanish minor and I taught Spanish for two years before I went to medical school. And that most of that was planned just because I thought it was very telling and interesting that many of us in medicine kind of set on a pathway where you are in class most of the time and don't carry much of a professional role or an educator role. And then you're spit out on the other side and expected to behave like a professional and take care of people, people that you know are entrusting you with their care. But you also have to be able to talk to your colleagues as well, because obviously healthcare is more of a team-based model. Once I finished residency, I was trying to make my decision about what I wanted to do with the rest of my career. And I remember sitting around as a resident and often just kind of looking at things, you know, how decisions were made, uh, when we schedule cases, what they're emergent, looking at efficiencies with our operating room turnover time, like why did it take so long for this room? Why did it not take as long as this one? You know, our ambulatory centers work on a more highly efficient model. So I was trying to understand a lot of those decisions. But the reality is you are not exposed to those as a resident and nobody is going to give you these answers. Not a single leader is going to come to a resident and say, here's an answer for you. So I was trying to think about what I wanted to do in my career and I wanted an opportunity to be involved and engaged in some of these decisions, whether they were leadership, administrative, operational, et cetera. But there weren't necessarily a whole lot of pathways. So I was actually going to go into interventional pain with the idea that I could potentially have my own clinic where I could start to address some of these issues. Mm -hmm. 
And then Dr. Gurton, my boss, he came in 2015 and said, hey, I want to start this fellowship. We're going to train you in business and leadership. You're going to get an MBA from Fisher. He got his working professionals MBA from Fisher during this time. And so I said, huh, that sounded like a good idea. So I chose that path instead. And I think it's very important, um, you know, if, if people understand where our healthcare is in the United States of America, you know, the cost of healthcare continues to rise. The number of people we are asked to take care of continues to rise. The cost of medical school education continues to rise. And those aren't necessarily working uh, in our favor to produce more physicians or to produce more nurses or PAs, et cetera. So you have this increasing population that requires service that doesn't have enough of us in general just to address the clinical needs, not to mention the continuing disparities that we see in the social determinants of healthcare. And so to address those, um, I've kind of joined this fellowship or I completed the fellowship in 2017. And I stuck around with the idea that many of these answers can be addressed by us developing better physician leadership. With all of those kind of things coming at us. And more importantly, if you guys are familiar with Michael Porter's work and that idea of value-based care, and there have been talk about bundle payment, there are a lot of like hand-wringing about physicians saying, you know, it's not like we necessarily are setting prices. It's not like we control insurance or that market. And yet many people were looking at us to help decrease the cost of healthcare. And so that requires a bit of physician leadership. And yet I think when you look at a lot of hospital organizations, there's no requirement to be a medical director or CEO that you've ever had to be a physician or even a clinical physician that actually had practice in medicine. So sometimes there can be a disconnect. You know, when you think about building organizations and organizational behavior, if you have a model where everybody making leadership decisions are thinking with one set of ideas through one lens, and you have physicians operating through another, sometimes you need somebody that can bridge both of those worlds. And I think that's why it's important for us to develop more physician leadership, because I think we're seeing that disconnect at times. We're seeing decisions being made that aren't necessarily um, mirroring the needs of the clinicians and the patients and vice versa. So, one of my roles besides being the fellowship director, which means we bring on fellows. And so we can have up to two fellows each year. It's a two-year fellowship since part of it is receiving an executive MBA from Fisher College of Business. And in addition to doing that, I also hold some roles in the College of Medicine on the admissions committee because I think it's important to continue to find ways to identify a very diverse pool of people to get into medical school. But I also hold some leadership roles. Like I said, my role within the ambulatory center, I'm one of the clinical directors. So I work with, you know, making the schedule daily for our staff, but I also help with block time for surgeons. When we have our budget expenses and our meetings at the executive level, I sit on those as well to decide how we want to expand in the ambulatory world. Um, I also hold a title. We created a position a few years ago called the Officer of the Day. So historically, when you're working at a large center, there has to be somebody that is able to make decisions um, each day and then looking forward about how we're staffing and booking cases and how do you handle emergency cases and how do you handle add-ons. And also from the anesthesia department, 
staff. How do you staff these rooms, your anesthesia staff? How do you reliably get people out when, you know, the day is pretty much at end? How do you manage those people that call off? And historically, that was one role. But we decided that it needed to be kind of separated into two roles with one, the officer of the day taking on the higher level roles of working with all of the pavilions throughout the medical center. So that's the University Hospital, that's the Ross Hart Hospital, that's the James Cancer Hospital, that's the same day surgery center and the ambulatory sites and looking ahead and saying, well, where are our potential conflicts when we look to staff cases? If we have a bunch of add-ons that need to get placed so that we can make sure that we get to patients in a timely fashion, is there another way to put it in a different pavilion to make sure we can get to it effectively and efficiently? And that requires its own set of skills and relationships that sometimes are unique to just answering the anesthesia limitations and challenges. So we created that. I do both. Uh, we also have like an anesthesia charge or scheduler role but primarily I am one of the officers of the day. And I look at it like this, somebody talks about the difference between leadership and management. And they say that dealing with management is kind or being a manager is dealing with complexity and being a leader is dealing with uh, complications. And I think you see that with respect to the anesthesia charge, it very much is kind of playing Tetris with our schedule. We have an Excel spreadsheet and it's moving bodies around. Whereas being the officer of the day, it's a lot of talking and it's a lot of relationships. And I think at the heart of leadership and at medicine, it's actually about building and establishing relationships. Okay. So, so I think this is uh, very helpful, Jared. I mean, it's very obvious that you're doing multiple things at the Vexham Medical Center, uh, more than a practicing physician. One of the questions that people might ask uh, physicians like you is, boy, Jared, um, you've been in medical school forever. You've done residency for more than and fellowships. And now you want to get an MBA degree. Uh, I mean, like, I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. And what would you tell a person like them who's saying that, I know I see, I'm very clearly listening to just the opening conversation from you. It's very obvious the importance of being a well-rounded physician. Not being, I like the way you start about leadership versus management. I think you need to have both. It's very clear that your MBA journey has helped you in that journey. But there's a, a pressure for physicians out there now, already getting pressure from overwork and all. How do you convince a person like that to say, hey, think about an MBA degree? Uh, and then here is why you should think about it. And that's a wonderful question. I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, the honest truth, when I was in residency, my mother asked me, she said, Jared, are you going to get your MBA? And I said, well, that's silly. I don't need another degree. And she asked because I had a couple of friends that got their combined MD, MBA during medical school. And I was like, ah, I'm ready to finish up. So I totally understand the sentiment. I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, getting an MBA like anything is a tool. So if you are thinking about it, I hope it's because you have a plan on how you want to utilize that tool. <laughs> I have a I have a colleague who actually was a part of the first MD MBA class at OSU and he'll be honest and says, you know, in my personal life, I guess I use my MBA, but he's like, I'm not using it at work. And indeed, I continue to encourage him to get more involved in leadership positions. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I should really do some of these things. So that's the first thing. If you are thinking about it, I hope it's because you have a commitment to developing yourself and you have a plan on how you want to utilize it, because at the end of the day, 
you're only going to get out of the NBA what you put into it, both in class and also going forward. Just having it at the end of your name may lend some credibility, but otherwise, at the end of the day, people are going to see that you're MD first. And since I just mentioned that there's still a lack of physicians, people are going to say, well, I just kind of need you to do this clinical stuff. Let me handle the business and leadership things. If you are a person, though, that has a plan, then the honest truth is, I guess you just have to look at, for lack of a better word, to quote uh, J. Dial, trade-offs, right? So they're going to be trade-offs, and some of that is going to have to come at um, kind of your at the expense of your time. And I know that can be very, very challenging, especially for those of us that have children or families, et cetera. But there are opportunities. Uh, so for residents, that's kind of why we created this, because the idea that being able to come out of residency into a fellowship that offers you an MBA is very appealing to those people that come up with that mindset early on. And to date, we are the only fellowship of its kind. There are other kind of hybrids, but very few that guarantee an executive MBA as a portion of it and also give you protected time to complete it. If you're in medical school, there is the idea that you could do a combined program if you are forward thinking and that's a choice. If you are already into your career, if you're post-residency, if you say, well, I don't want to go backwards and go get a fellowship, then there's wonderful opportunities to get either your working professionals. At OSU, there's obviously the Masters of Business and Operational Excellence. So if you don't have time to commit to an MBA, there are those opportunities. But I think one of the reasons why uh, AC, you and I are talking, and one of the things that I kind of still want to push going forward is trying to blend the medical center and the college of business, because even in lieu of getting a formal MBA, there are still wonderful opportunities to get better leadership development. So my boss, Dr. Michael Gurton, after he got his MBA and created the fellowship and turned things over to me, he created the Faculty Leadership Institute. And that is specifically geared to developing physician leaders. Uh, the Office of Fame at Ohio State is all about promoting faculty development. So if you are thinking about these things, specifically if you're at Ohio State, then I would encourage you to start to reach out to the Office of Fame. You know, you can always reach out to myself and I will give my information at the end or reach out to Dr. Gurton. Um, you can reach out to anybody at Fisher College of Business because I think we are starting to establish enough relationships that we see the importance of this. So I would encourage you, if, if it's something you're passionate about, if you have a plan and an idea about how you want to use it, you just got to go for it. And I think what you'll see is that after you finish, if you have a plan, when you come up with ideas, there are oftentimes that people will say, okay, well, I understand you have this MBA, so maybe I'm willing to listen, as opposed to just writing you off and saying, well, you're just another physician. What do you know about any of this? Yeah, yeah I think I think it's very nicely said, Jared. In fact, let me give you um, some research side of it. As you know, like I study healthcare processes, right? So we just... Uh, recently finished a study. And, and when I say I had a co-author from University of Georgia and um, another co-author from Nebraska, we studied about uh, 5,000 physicians uh, in the state of Florida uh, who were uh, catering to about 250,000 patients. So it's a small sample, like it's the entire Florida study. Uh, we found that physicians, actually out of those 5,000 physicians, only a few of them, uh, I would say about 10% of them had uh, MD, MBA is kind of like dual degrees from an MBA. We wanted to study how they're actually uh, uh, managing cost. So one of the main things that you started off saying is cost, right? So we looked at um, 
uh, lab charges, radiology charges, all the charges that were happening in the hospital. We found that physicians who had actually MD, MBAs uh, and, and they were working across multiple hospitals, but they actually had about uh, 30 to 50% lower cost uh, for similar patients, very similar patients to those that were not having that. So it tells you more about what, what you just said, like, uh, the, and then the, there is no change in, no differences in terms of uh, uh, the, the clinical care. So it's not like physicians who had MD, MBA did uh, superior or inferior to physicians who didn't have that uh, degree. So which tells you something that the MBA mind, mindset that you just talked about allows you to have those conversations, allows you to have coordinate care, allows you to better understand the end-to-end -end aspect of care, which again, results in uh, significant cost savings, which is absolutely essential without compromising anything. As you mentioned, trade-offs, without compromising, without having trade-off on quality or so. So it's very nicely set up. I know we run, we're running out of time, Jared. So for our listeners out there, you said you're going to share your contact information. And by the way, Mike Gurdon is another a great student that I have had. I had the honor of having him in my uh, working professional class. And I'm really thrilled that like, Mike and you are taking long strides at the Wexner to create this and sustain this fellowship program. So congratulations on that. Yeah, for our listeners out there, can you share us more about your contact details so that if they have any questions, they can reach out to you? Absolutely. So I can be reached personally at Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T dot herd, H-E-A-R-D at O-S-U-M-C dot E-D-U. So uh, you can always reach out to me there. And then, so we just created, so I'm an old man, but I figure, hey, this is how you get out to people. So we created a Twitter and Instagram uh, accounts. So bear with me because they're just long enough. So our Twitter is at O-S-U, exec, E-X-E-C, biz, B-I-Z, A-N-E-S. So at O-S-U, exec, biz, uh, A-N-E-S. And then our Twitter handle is the same. So it's O-S-U, exec, E-X-E-C, biz, B-I-Z, A-N-E-S. So you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, we're really keen on expanding this program. You have my current fellow, Sanjay Mohan. Yeah. Uh, last he told me uh, about the project he's working on for his A3 with you. And I think, you know, all of the fellows that have come through myself and then Dr. Del Rosario, who is now down in uh, Augusta. I believe you taught him as well, right? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I had, I had a Dr. Hill when he was doing it before you took over. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very, I, I want to, acknowledge one of the things that we get out of it besides kind of you know some leadership things and organization behavior is actually operations and we talk about that a lot and so if you follow us you will see we've got a few articles out there that we talked about and how you promote better or turnover both in ambulatory settings and for ors in general and i think those are the types of concepts that as a physician you gain from getting your mba and getting that exposure and the honest truth is i look at it like this whether it's business or you as an individual, you should always be seeking value creation. Mm -hmm. One of the main things you want to do with your career is figuring out how to set yourself apart from everybody else. So if you have an idea, if you pursue a dual degree, if you get this MBA, that's how you add that value. And indeed, we talked about the value that we've created with improving kind of our efficiency in the ambulatory site and how it's very profitable and it's a cost center. So I would like to thank our operations profession, uh, professors from the Fisher College of Business for that exposure. I'll definitely uh, send a nice note to Dr. Hill, who was uh, <laughs> to you. Absolutely, it's our pleasure. Tell him I said hello. Absolutely.
So, Jared, thank you again for spending some time with us. Uh, it's been a really, it's a good pleasure talking to you. More importantly, like listening to you, how you're putting your EMBA to use and how you're actually developing it beyond yourself for others uh, to take advantage of this program and sharing your contact details for our listeners. So thank you so much, Jared. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.